which is, you know, because, you know, we don't really know each other. But when I was in the men's home in 2001, uh, and, and most of you, if not all of you, don't know this, if you look at my back through, a, through an x-ray on my spinal cord, my spinal cord goes down, and then it goes like this, and then it, 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 it kind of makes like a question mark, an inverted question mark, and the doctors, chiropractors couldn't understand how that happened. Um, I was involved in a motorcycle accident years ago, but um, I didn't break my back, so that wasn't understanding. They wouldn't understand how they did that, but as a result of that, I suffered with a lot of chronic pain in my back for years. And I'm telling you that this pain would be to the point where I would have to lay there because it would paralyze me. And I have to lay on the floor for a long time at times. And so when I was in the men's home, one of these attacks came to me, you know, and I wasn't able to move or function the way I normally would. So I was kind of like walking like Frankenstein, you know. And I was working at the men's home in, in, in the, uh, food, at the food bank at the time. And so they gave me like this menial easy job. You know, they said, here, you stand at the, at the orange crate and all you do is just put oranges inside the bag. That's all you need to do. I said, well, that's all I can do. So, you know, I'll, I'll do that. And so it was a Wednesday afternoon. I remember it was Wednesdays because on Wednesdays, all these churches from all over the, um, San, the San Marino and um, Marino, excuse me, Marino Valley and, and um, Paris and all these places out in the desert area would come through and they would get their, their food from the food bank for their churches. And so I was sitting there putting oranges in this bag and everybody was like all excited because mom had showed up. And so this guy comes up, he says, hey, bro, mom's here. I said, okay. Hey, I, was, I wasn't really saved. I don't think I even given my life to the Lord yet. But because um, I gave my life to the Lord in that home. And so, um, hey, well, mom's here, mom's here. I said, okay, great. And then one says, mom has the gift of healing. And you know what I did? I chuckled. <laughs> yeah. So? That was my reaction. He said, well, let her pray for your back. She can, she can, you know, this guy obviously doesn't know that it's the Lord, but she says, she can heal you. So anyway, long story short, a few minutes later, she comes over. She says, hey, I hear you have a bad back. And this lady was, she really looked like a mom. She was an elderly lady. And uh, now I know, back then I didn't realize, but now I know she was full of compassion, full of wisdom, full of, you know, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And she says, I hear that you have a bad back. God wants to heal you. And so she, she says, let me, let me pray for you. And so I reluctantly said, okay, pray for me. And this lady, she, she hugged me. And I don't mean to be crass. I don't want to sound, you know, insensitive. I don't want to sound, you know, uh, for lack of, of other words, you know, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But as she was holding me and praying for me, I was thinking arousal thoughts, even though this lady was elderly, you know? And she was praying, and then she starts speaking in tongues and stuff, and at one moment she stops, looks at me right in the eyes, and she says, you're hindering the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to heal you, and you are hindering it. Look, at I'm getting chills telling you the story right now. She says, you need to... Let me, you know, just hug me like if I'm your mom. 
and let the Holy Spirit pray for you. And she started praying. And she started speaking in tongues. And I didn't know what tongues were at that time. And she's, you know, doing her thing. And I know that the Holy Spirit is just moving through her, you know, because I could feel the heat. She started rubbing me from the back of my head down to the small of, and that's why, that's why in the beginning I had those thoughts. She was touching me way down here. And you know what? There was a moment where I just felt so much intense heat. And since that day forward to this day, I have not had a back pain. I just want to say, you know what? The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit, when we allow ourselves to open up our heart, and our mind to the things that he can do, listen, it'll blow us away. We think that we're doing okay and that we know the Holy Spirit because we're in church now. Listen, greater things you will do. Jesus Christ said that. Then I did. That means a lot. Coming from Jay himself, Jesus himself. You know? So anyway, I just wanted to share that. That's not part of the, me the message this morning, but I just wanted to, to mention that to, uh, is it Mercy or Marcy? Mercy. Mercy. I, I, um, and she's probably stepped away again. She's probably still in pain. But, you know, ladies, I would encourage you, one of you ladies, uh, maybe, Ma Ma you know, Patty, you know, anointed with the Holy Spirit, you know what? Wrap your arms around her. Hug her and pray over those areas because I'll tell you, God is a healing God and he touches. You know, he, he wants to touch. I couldn't do that. I was praying in, in, under, in, you know, under my breath. I was praying in tongues a little bit. Because you know what? The Bible says that we need to stir the flame of the gifts of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you know, is... is is, is, is the third person in the Trinity, but unfortunately is the one that gets less attention at times in the church. You know? Yeah, he's there. Yes, he's part of the Trinity. But we mentioned God and we mentioned Jesus Christ. And well, we should. But that's not to demean or to, or to devalue the role of the Spirit. Amen? And so... I want to open up the, the, the message today. <clears throat> um, there's a message in the book of um, Luke chapter 19 that we'll read into in a little bit. But I kind of wanted to open up with this question as I do most of the uh, messages that I share. I just want to ask you a question. What, here's my question. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? I know I just touched a little bit on it, but in your words, what are your thoughts of what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Amen. To dwell within us, to minister to us, and to empower us to do the Lord's work. That's a good answer. There's no right or wrong answers here. Remember that. Anybody else? purpose of the Holy Spirit. To guide us and to help us to listen to the voice of God. Amen. That's good. Anyone else? 
for healing. Yes. For healing, as we just mentioned. That's right. Amen. All of those are good answers. To empower us. Amen. To empower us. Good answers. One of the functions or one of the works of the Holy Spirit, according to Jesus, in, in, in John chapter 15, he says that when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the God of this world is already judged. Primary, primary functions of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world. Amen? And through that as believers, we have these other perks as we've just mentioned. Because he plays various roles in the life of the believer. And I'll take it a step further. He'll also play another role in the life of the unbeliever because it is the Spirit of God that calls us to himself. As we're going to read in chapter 19 of Luke. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with the story. Zacchaeus, he lives in Jericho. Jesus has spent some time in, in uh, Sidon or Sidon, Tyre, you know. And he's, all, he's, he's been through the regions of Galilee and stuff, and he's going now. He tells his disciples in chapter 18, hey, let's go up to Jerusalem now. So as they're heading up to Jerusalem, he goes to this area where it's Jericho, and we'll pick up the story there. But some of the examples of what the Spirit does is in John 14, if you're taking notes, he says that the Holy Spirit will comfort us when we are hurting. And I know that recently we've had a great loss, friends, family, loved ones. And there's a pain that we can't understand, but yet the Holy Spirit will give us comfort in that area. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In John 16, he's our counselor. Where do we go? You know? I'm in counseling right now. But truly, the person that I'm speaking with, you know, isn't going to give me the comfort or the counseling that I require from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our counselor. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's our counselor. In Romans chapter 8, he tells us how we are to live as believers. So there's all these roles that the Holy Spirit plays, but he also plays a part in bringing us to the Lord. Amen? And so I want us to talk a little bit about Zacchaeus this morning. And like I said, you've, um, I'm sure you're familiar with the, uh, 
with the story. You probably even sang the song when you used to be, if you grew up in the church, you know, uh, going to Sunday school, you probably uh, sang, you know, the, uh, the Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You guys remember that song? Huh? You guys remember that? How does it go, Paul? You remember it? Can you sing it for us? No? You cannot? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And I forget the rest. But he was a wee little man. But apparently he heard that Jesus was coming through, and so he wanted to see Jesus. So he has to climb up on a tree, and so we're going to pick up our story there. If um, NRSV, what is, what is that? Oh, wow. Man, they're coming up with all these versions nowadays. No, 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 that's, that's fine. That's fine. So we'll read that. And let's read it together as we, as we always do as a, as a church so we can uh, get the full effect of what he says. Ready? Begin. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. Amen. Hallelujah. Is there one more? For the Son of Man. Oh, that's, that's, that's the important one right there. Wow. For the Son of Man came to. Say that again. Amen. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just pray this morning that you would open the heart and the eyes of our understanding, Lord. That your word, Father God, will not come back void, but that it will reach and penetrate, Father God, the areas that we need to learn and hear and understand, Father God, as already sons and daughters of God, already as believers, Lord, that we can recognize that even though we're saved, there are still areas, Father God, that need to be worked on in our lives, and that you, Father God, are the continual constructor of molding and shaping us each and every day of our lives. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I like that last, that last verse. It says, 
for the Son of Man, and this is from my New King James, so I apologize, but it says, uh, I think it's similar, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't know that they have this anymore nowadays, um, but I remember growing up, and, and maybe even still in the 80s, I think, um, you go to, you know, a place of business, you know, you go to a retail store, you go to a, a, a public venue or whatever, and you accidentally drop something from your pocket, you know, your keys or your wallet or uh, anything that's important of you. And, you know, I would, like in my case, I would get back to, you know, to where I was at, and, and you know, I realized, oh, man, I, I, I lost something. So I would have to rush back hoping that, you know, Another guy like Jesse wouldn't find it and keep it, you know? And so I would have to rush back, hoping that I would find it, and then um, asking, you know, the, the attendants there, hey, did you happen to see, you know, uh, my, my, a key or whatever? And they're like, you know what? We did. We put it in the lost and found. You guys remember lost and founds? Are there still lost and founds nowadays, today? There is? Well, thank God for lost and founds, right? Because we need to rely and depend on that every now and then. At least, you know, the older I get, the more I depend on that. But, uh, uh, you know, but, um, yeah, so it was a lost and found. And here, Jesus is making a, uh, a statement. He says, for I have come. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, this story that, we're gonna, that we just read this morning comes from a series that I put together that talks about the Holy Spirit. And so we're talking, you know, in our series about the Holy Spirit at, at, uh, at our house. And, um, and in between there, there's a story here. And if you read later on to yourselves, if you read the story that is immediately following that, you know, the story is about, um, you know, the minas, the lost minas. It talks about money. And this, this, um, this uh, story makes sense, you know, when it talks about the monies because here Zacchaeus, in the end of his story, he, you know, the way he reacts. Because if we remember reading in chapter 18 prior to this story, you know, Jesus encounters a rich young ruler, and we all know what, what went on there, right? Jesus says, hey, we'll give your money to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says that the guy went away sad. And why? The Bible doesn't give an explanation or doesn't expound in scripturally as to why he went away sad. But many teachings and sermons, you know, will tell you that he went away, went away sad because the guy liked his money. He loves his money more than, you know, the idea of following Christ and giving his money away. He loves his things more than, you know, the idea of giving his money away to the poor and following Christ. So it's interesting how Jesus will put this, this story about Zacchaeus right in the middle of those two. And you have to understand the amazing statement that Jesus made because, you know, you have to understand the theology that was accepted by pious Jews in that day. The Sanhedrin the Sadducees, the Pharisees, all these guys that were Jews, you know, that didn't think they needed to be found. There's no need for salvation according to them. And why? 
Why do they think this way? Because the assumption was that if you are a child of Abraham, if you are a religious Jew, you don't need to be found because you're already numbered, you know, you're already numbered um, as, uh, as being righteous. They also believe that on the last day when all are raised from the dead unto judgment, that would, they would be numbered among the righteous because they are a descendant of Abraham. And so that's how they tied, you know, their salvation into, you know, the existence that, they, you know, they, they were sure to know where they were going, if, if, if you can say that, because of, you know, the belief system in which they grew up in. They're going to be, you know, considered righteous on the last day. And yet Jesus, over and over in his ministry, doesn't assume that just by virtue of the fact that they are a descendant of Abraham, that they have this particular, you know, um, this, 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 this green light, if you will, you know, favor with God. Jesus says, no, no, no. You still, there's still other things you need to do to get into the kingdom of heaven. Just like any one of us today, you know. And when I say us, again, you know, uh, this this is the purpose of, of, of a scripture. If you know, and I know most of us, if not all of us in here, are saved. But there's a lot of people, and I continue to say this, and I know that uh, you know, and I don't mean this to attack. I'm just saying that unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the church today. Sitting in the church today, they have a belief system. They think they're on their way to heaven. We need to be careful with that. You know, it's okay. You know, if we, if we, we're leaders of the church, we are pillars in the church, we attend church regularly. We go to multiple Bible studies during the week, you know. We we're a good person, you know. I don't I don't I don't deal with anybody. I don't get in anybody's business, you know. I'm good by nature. All of these are excuses of what people give to have themselves believe that you know that they're on the right path. But Jesus Jesus is is, is clear about how how he tells us and what he says to us about being on the right path. So Jesus comes to the house of Israel, but is rejected by many who view themselves more religious. And he is embraced by those who are, you know, the outcasts, if you will. Kind of like what, what, what happened with us, right? <clears throat> I mean, we were, I would, I would dare to say that we're all we're outcasts, you know, at one time, right? Because that's what the Bible says about us. Now, outcast doesn't mean that you were out there, you know, running rampant and, you know, just being a, a total rebel and, and, and you know, I mean, you could have been, you know, nice guy, you know, uh, but just uh, just not, not saved. So every one of us fit that description. We were outside of the commonwealth of Christ, as Paul says, you know, we weren't, we weren't in, the, in the family. 
So we are adopted sons and daughters of Christ, and we're co-heirs with him. And that's good news. Amen? That's good news. There has to be a uh, there has to be a uh, a change like what happened with Zacchaeus and and I like what Zacchaeus did because in Zacchaeus's uh, story in the story we just read you know um, there wasn't any outreach there wasn't any preaching to to Zacchaeus Zacchaeus wasn't you know taken aside by Jesus and had a one on one or anything he was just you know. He was just there having having dinner with with Zacchaeus and his family, you know, at his, at his home. And all the haters outside were doing what? They were, you know, ridiculing and they were talking and they were gossiping and they were like, hey, look at this guy. He's just sitting with a sinner. He's sitting with a sinner there. But it's awesome how the Spirit of God, God himself, Jesus, in man form, doesn't have to do outreach. When we're in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? There's a change that happens. There's something that happens within us that we say, hey, you know what? There's something different about me. There's something different about this man, and I want to get to know him. Because we're going to read in a little bit, we're going to talk, uh, you know, and see the difference between a believing system and actually knowing who God is in our lives. That's important. So four things I want to share with you this morning, and then we can get out of here. It's almost 1130. You know, first thing is we're all sin we are all sinners and need forgiveness. All of us. Okay? Doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You're a saved sinner. You want to look at it that way? I don't mean to be offensive. Just saying you're a saved sinner. Because all of us are sinners and need forgiveness. This man, Zacchaeus, what was he? He was a chief collector. He was a thief. Because remember, in those days, kind of like what, what um, who was a tax collector in, uh, in, in the disciples? Anybody know? Huh? That's right, Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And before Matthew came to the Lord, what was he doing? He was charging a little bit more and keeping some for himself. He's like, all right, you know what? You owe me $30 in tax. Really, you owe the government 15 but 15 was for me. So he's like, you owe $30 in tax, you owe $60. In so he was grabbing from whatever he was taking. And I'm sure that Zacchaeus, having grown in that era, he was probably doing the same thing tax collector that he was. And he had other people tax collecting for him. So this guy was rich. This guy was well-to-do. Right? He's an extortioner, a sinner, whom, humanly speaking, there's no salvation for him. Have we ever met people that, like, you know, we look at them and we say, dude, there's no salvation for you, you know? Jokingly speaking, of course. Because we know that God will save anyone, you know, by grace. Amen. <clears throat> so 
So humanly speaking, he was like that. But you know what? First Corinthians 6, 9-11 says this. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators or idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. Paul makes it a clear point. He says, you know what? And such were some of you. Then he goes on to say, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Aren't you glad for God's butt? Amen for that. But you were cleansed. You were justified. Even though we were like that. And so Zacchaeus recognizes that. Why? Because the presence of the Holy Spirit is dining with him. Because there's this there's this this drawing, you know, of God's spirit that is indwelling in that house at that moment. That you know what, even though he's not being evangelized to, he just recognizes it and he says, Man, I'm a thief. I'm an unfair tax collector. I'm this, that, or the other. And so he, you know. He comes, he comes to, a, to a point in himself that he says, hey, something, something needs to, you know, change here. Another point that we see in this story is that, you know, we don't look for Jesus. Jesus looks for us. Right? And that's biblical. Because the Bible says that no one seeks after God. Romans 3.11 says, there is none who understands. There is none who seek after God. John 5, 6, 15, 16 says, Do you not choose you did not choose me? This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Scripture doesn't say why, you know, Zacchaeus was there. He was probably curious, you know. Because I'll tell you one thing, I've done a lot of outreaches. I've had the privilege of doing a lot of outreaches and being involved with a lot of outreaches. And so you put these venues on, you know, and they're, and they're this big, you know, I mean, different scopes. You know, we've had here at Joy, we've had little ones, we had, we've had big ones. You know, we've had them at Encanto Park where, you know, we had thousands of people show up. You might remember that, Frank. And we've had, you know, people where it's just, you know, um, just a, a handful of us. But regardless what, this is the thing. Whenever you set out an, a, a, an announcement and you say, hey, we're going to have an outreach, and this and that, people will come out because they're curious. There's, a, there's an event that we do once a year, and I, I've had the privilege of working uh, on an outreach with, um, with uh, Linda Tavani. And Linda Tavani is her real name, her stage name, is Peaches from the group Peaches and Herb. And so she's saying with, uh, with her for many years, well, now her and her husband, they do outreach all in Pasadena. Pasadena. They're out of Pasadena, actually. So Pasadena is their hometown, and they do this huge outreach at the uh, city hall 
once a year. But they go to Escondido and they go to, you know, other areas and they're out of state and whatnot. Well, I've been at her house and I got to, you know, had a chance to, to just befriend them, you know. And they're really, really nice, sweet people. And they really, you know, their heart is to give away and to, and to reach out and to, and to give the gospel of Christ for anyone that, that, you know, that will be saved. But I'll tell you, when we tell people that peaches from Peaches and Herbs are going to be there, the crowds just come in drawers, man. I mean, they're just, you know, there's just a lot of people. And they climb on the, uh, you know, we have um, RVs out there, you know, because we use them for different setups. And they're climbing on the RV and they're climbing the walls and they're up on the trees and stuff. Why? Because they want to see peaches from Peaches and Herbs. And maybe that was the case with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't seeking salvation. He, was, he didn't go to that, to that outreach or that event that morning saying, today I'm going to give my life away to God. He went there because he wanted to know what the sto our, our story tells us. He wanted to know what? We just read it. Who Jesus was. Who is this guy? Who is this guy that brings attention to himself or, 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 or draws a crowd every time he's in town or passing by, you know, a nearby city? So he wanted to see who Jesus was. So he wants, you know, so he climbs up on the trees and that. And it's awesome because although he wasn't looking for salvation, salvation, which means Yeshua, which means Jesus, found him. Because out of all the people, he says, hey, Zacchaeus, come down. Hurry up, dude, hurry. Come down. Get off that tree. Because today, salvation is coming to your house. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. And I'm telling you, you that are sitting in this room that are already saved and you're already a believer, salvation continues to come to your house. Salvation continues to have, to have dinner with me. He says, you know what, if you open the door, I'll come in and sup with you. That's an invitation for each and every time. That's not just for a one time, you know, Lord, come into my life, change me, I'm a sinner. Recite the sinner's prayer, you know, give a, a, a proclamation of repentance and be on with our lives. That's why so many churches today aren't holding on to people that are new converts. Because they'll bring them up to the altar, they'll say, hey, you know what, recite the sinner's prayer after me. And after that, bye-bye. And they don't follow up. And, you know, and there's a very good point. Frank, Frank made a very good point earlier this morning. He says, hey, people have the right to go where they want. And that's true. I've said that before. You have the right to go whatever church you want. But God is doing a new thing. And since I've been back in, in March, when I first came back to, to, to share the word of God, I saw and I felt and I know this in my heart that Joy Christian Center God is doing a new thing. He hasn't revealed it to me. That's his prerogative. But you're still here for a reason. You're still here. Let me rephrase that. Not for a reason. You're here for a purpose. There's a purpose of why you're here. There's a reason and a purpose why you're still leading worship. 
That's because you're Frank's son and you can't go nowhere. <laughs> There's a purpose. Now you do an excellent job, bro. I'm so proud of you. You have come a long way. You really have. But there's a purpose. And that's the purpose that we need to keep in our sights. Lord, what is your will in my life today? Amen? We don't seek him. He seeks us. When Jesus finds us, when he really finds us, when we allow ourselves to be found, watch out. Because then the heart changes. And when the heart changes, wow, it's explosive. In verse 8 of our text this morning, he says, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. Again, he wasn't ministered to. They were just supping. Talking about whatever, you know. So, Zach, how's your text collection business going? So, Zach, you know, whatever. And there was a moment that the Spirit was just convicting. Why? Because the Spirit comes into the world to convict them of sin. And so there's a moment where, you know, Zacchaeus is eating and stuff, and I can just imagine, you know, how it all unfolded, and he just, you know, he finally puts the fork down, and he can't ha handle it anymore. He gets up out of the table and goes over to the next to Jesus and says, look, Jesus, <laughs> look, man, I know I've, I've done a lot of stuff that, that is, out, you know, it's whacked. But here's what I'm going to do. If I defrauded anyone, I'm going to give them fourfold. Now, why did he say that? Or better yet, where did he get that number from? Did he just pull it out of the air and say, hey, you know what? Nah, four, four's a good number. I'll just, you know, I'll give back fourfold. Why did, why did he choose? Why would you think he chose four? That's a good answer. Again, there's no right or wrong answer. I'll tell you why four. Because four is biblical. Because in Exodus chapter 22, you know, where the laws begin to happen, God says, if a man steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it, let him repay five ox for every ox, or five oxen for every ox, and four sheep for every sheep. And Zacchaeus, being who he was, I probably figured, you know, I'm not going to give him five, but I'll give him four. <laughs> so he says, Lord, I'll give them four. Why? Because his heart is beginning to change. And because now he wants to do what God commands in his Bible to do. It's not what we want. Although what we want is always, you know, the desires of the flesh. What is it that God wants? What do we have to do to stop coming around Mount Sinai so many times when the promised land is that way? 
and we don't learn because we want to do our own thing. Well, you know what? I know I've defrauded people, but, uh, you know, moving from here forward, uh, I'll stop. Because we know that the willingness of the body, of the human flesh, is, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I can tell you, I've joined memberships at the gym. Being a member doesn't make me lose weight. It doesn't work. The will to want to go work out doesn't work unless I actually go out and work out. Right? So Zacchaeus is saying, Lord, I'm going to do this biblically now. I'm going to give back fourfold. That's awesome. That's amazing. You know? Ephesians 4.20 says, but you have not so learned. Oh, excuse me. I'm still on, uh, on my other, on my other. Did I say he looks, he, he doesn't look, changes the heart. Amen. Because Ezekiel 11.19 says, and I will give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. And I will take the heart of stone out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. So Jesus is saying, you know what, those that are sometimes we get hard-hearted, you know, stubborn. Hard-hearted is another word for stubbornness. You know, um, I'm going to change that. I'm going to give them a, a heart of flesh. The Bible speaks often of the heart. The word heart can mean different things depending upon the context. Most often, though, the heart refers to the soul of a human being that controls the will and emotions. And so Jesus says, God says, I'm going to give them a heart of flesh so that our will and that our emotions can be, you know, geared towards him instead of our own desires. Amen? Second Corinthians 5, 5 uh, 17, we all know that. Very, uh, very uh, famous uh, scripture. It says, you know, if you're now in Christ, you're a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So we need to exercise that and practice that. Amen? And then, lastly, when we are found, when we are forgiven, when our hearts are changed, what happens? What do you suppose happens, Bible students? It, sh it shows. When we are changed, when we are found, you know, when a new heart is in place, it shows. It shows to people that are, you know, looking at you. You ever been in front of someone that's just, you know, um, they're just radiant with the Spirit of God? And you're just talking with them, and you don't know this person, you know, but your spirit is like, you know, it's kind of like leaping, like elite, you know, in front of uh, Elizabeth, and you're like, Man, this is, you know, and then you ask them, hey, by chance, are you a believer? Well, yes, I am. I'm glad you asked, you know. Or, or you don't even have to ask them that sometimes. You just, you just know, right? Because it shows. It shows. And the job of the enemy is that over time, he wants to have that radiance, you know, dwindle down. 
Distraction comes our way. Offense comes our way. Um, oh, who's preaching today? <laughs> nah, I'm not going to church. You know? All these other things that will come in the way so that what? So that we dwindle down on the radiance and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we don't have that much more to show for it. And over time, and I'm talking about sometimes, you know, in no time, you know, the transformation is, 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 is evident. But then the other way around, too, you know, if you are, you know, walking around, moping, or you're, you know, there's this grumpiness attitude about you. People used to ask me, dude, you're a believer, why are you always so grumpy? That was a, that was a, uh, an eye-opener for me. Because I would hear from different people, you know? People that um, I would have acquaintances with. But someone that I love very much said that to me. And reacted differently towards me because of that. God says, are you ready now for me to get a hold of you? Are you ready now to sit down and listen to what I have to say? And how you are to do things. And you know what? Like I said in the beginning of the message, God is still in the business of having his Holy Spirit restore and heal. doesn't change. We change. He doesn't leave. We leave. He doesn't love us any less. We're the ones that, like in the church of Ephesus, lose our first love. Why? Because everything else around us is consumed by our attention, our desires, or, you know, we just find more importances in those things. So we see Zacchaeus wanting to do the right thing, what God wants him to do. In Ephesians 4, 20 and 24, it says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you part of concern that you put off concerning your your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in the true righteousness and holiness. And that word caught my attention. But you have not learned Christ. What does he mean by that? What does Paul mean by that? He means that, you know what? We, in the church, we learn a belief system. That's what I started to say before. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that he died for the sins of the world. We believe, you know, all these methods. We believe that the, the word of God is inspired, you know, and uncorruptible, infallible. We believe all that. But there's a difference between believing and knowing. We have to know Christ. We have to know God. It's not enough in just believing because, you know what, even the demons believe. And that's biblical. So, what, what relevance do I have 
and being at the same level of a demon. You believe? Yeah, demon, I believe. We believe. But believe isn't going to get us anywhere. Because belief wasn't getting the Sadducees and the Pharisees anywhere because they were believers, as we said earlier, that, you know, because they're descendants of Abraham, that they got it made. They're like, Shh, dude, I'm in. And Jesus said all the contrary. We can't just, as a church, listen, we're living, I really believe this, we're living in the end times. This generation is seeing a lot of things that the Bible's talking about. It's biblical, man. In 1948, Israel became a nation. We're 70 years, you know, approaching 70-year mark. What does Jesus, what does the Bible of God, of God say? What does the Bible say in Psalms chapter 90? He says, a generation is about 70 years, 80 if you endure. So we're there, man. We are right there. And yet, you know, as a nation, as a society, as a world, we're just not giving any importance. And on the day of judgment, it's going to be late. We're not going to have a second chance. We're having a second chance right now. Live according to what the Word of God says. And we maybe maybe we are. I don't, I don't know your lifestyle. I, I don't hang around with you all day. I don't, I don't, I don't, I can't say that, you know, everybody in here, man, you guys, you know, either get it together or, you know, too bad, you know, wouldn't want to be you, you know, type of thing. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that in the, in, in the innermost secrets of our heart, are we doing what God honors? I was talking with a, with a gentleman the other day, and we are talking about, you know, how there's a lot of, you know, pornography in the church. In the church. So I told the guy, I said, let me just put this in perspective for you. I said, do you have a problem with pornography? Picture this. You just died. You just died. Because the, 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 the idea of, the, of, of our conversation was that, you know, we do things in our secret when nobody sees us. And I said, well, God sees you. And that statement there is very hard to get to somebody's mind, you know, because, okay, oh, well, I know that there's a God, but no one's seen me right now, so I'm going to do the sin that I enjoy doing. So I told this guy, I said, you just died. Jesus, forget Peter. Peter's on break. He's off somewhere. So there's no Peter at the pearly gates. It's Jesus. He's at the gates, and he's right there ready to receive you. And you say, hold on. Let me just look at this porn real quick. And you do it in front of Jesus. Would you do that in front of Jesus? It's like that commercial that we see. I love this commercial. The guy's driving with a bottle of beer. And he's driving and he's going everywhere. You know? And then the commercial says, would you do this? Then why would you do this? And he's holding, now he's holding a phone, a cell phone. Same concept. Well, nobody sees me. Well, you know what? When you get to heaven... In front of Jesus, do your, do your nastiness right there or, or whatever depravity it is that you do. Do it in front of him. Would you feel comfortable doing that? And he's like, well, no. Then why are you comfortable doing it when nobody else is seeing you? There has to be a change. There has to be a change. Amen? 
John G. Lake, and I'll finish with this. He says, in the beginning, man's spirit was the dominant. In the beginning, man's spirit was the dominant force in the world. When he sinned, his mind became dominant. Sin dethroned the spirit and crowned the intellect. But grace is restoring the spirit of its place. So it is restoring but spirit. I'm sorry. Let me read this again. In the beginning, man's spirit was the dominion force in the world. When he sinned, his mind became dominant. Sin dethroned the spirit and crowned the intellect. But grace is restoring the spirit to its place of dominion. When man comes to realize this, he will live in the realm of the supernatural without effort. That's it. To understand that our mind, you know, is, 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 is wicked, is a battlefield of the enemy. And if we give him a step, uh, uh, a, uh, a footstool, then you know what? He's going to just take over. But when we set our mind and our things on God, exalting every thought captive, getting every thought captive, every stronghold that exalts itself, the Bible says, to the knowledge of God, then we have, you know, the upper hand. Amen? I don't know if this message has blessed you. I hope it blesses someone that's listening on the internet. But the point is, we just need to, we just need to uh, do things differently. Willfully, you know, consciously do things differently. Because Paul says, you know, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may show yourself approved, you know, in the perfect will of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much that you have invited us here this morning, Lord, to come and just fellowship. Because if this message is anything of Jesse, then it's not important. But if this message is of you, Lord God, in a word, or a thought, or a concept has entered the mind of anyone here and has changed and touched the heart, then, Father, we are grateful and we glorify you for that. Father, we pray that you will just be with us the rest of this week. Lord, I pray for Joy Christian Center as they continue to look for a, a pastor or leader that will take over this, this leadership in this church, Father God, that you may send somebody that is God-fearing, that is all about your agenda, Father God, and that is following, Father God, the precepts that you have put forth before him as a pastor, a leader, a husband. And Father, we just uh, we thank you this morning for the things you're doing and the things you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you so much for having me here this morning.